Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Thank you so much, Pastor Jimmy. It truly is an honor to be here. Um, It is not my first time here. Uh, A few years ago, I came and... um, share with, uh, with the church on our African mission that we were involved in. And I would like to say that uh, Upward donated us a lot of the bags that they issued that year um, for all the kids who went through Upward. And if you go through Kampala, uh, you will still see kids carrying the Upward bags as well as wearing some of the Upward basketball shirts. So it was truly a blessing um, for Upward uh, to sponsor us. When Pastor Jimmy asked me to come and to share, he said to share a little bit about the ministry, and he did most of that. But let me tell you how the ministry started, because that's important for us uh, and where we are now. My father is a pastor as well, and he pastors right in Fairburn. It's the Mount Zion Baptist Church, and he's been pastoring there 28 years. I think next month will be his 29th anniversary. And I was in church with him, been in church with him basically all of those years. Um, One of the things I do as well is I coach football at Creekside High School. And as part of uh, Creekside's football program, I did a FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And we would meet and talk, and the kids would share things with me. And I found out a lot of them weren't in church. Uh, A lot of them were not getting any type of Christian training. And from that, uh, I was led to start doing a little more with them. And lo and behold, eventually the Lord said, you need to start this ministry. And I'm thinking, Lord, it's a church on every corner here in Fairburn. I mean, you can throw a rock from one and hit another one. Why is it necessary to have another church? And again, we cannot question God, his wisdom and his thoughts are way above ours. And so I said, "Okay, I'll do it. And the dream or the vision that God gave me was you have three strong families to start with you. And I can remember the first day we had our first service. We started in the auditorium at Creekside. It was 116 people there. And I was like, wow, Lord, three families. I'm looking at 116. I'm on fire and I'm ready to do this thing. The next Sunday, 13 people showed up. (laughs) Reality set in. And he said, you got your families, go to work. And many of our families in our ministry have never been members of a church, which is good and bad. They don't come with a lot of baggage, but they don't understand a lot of things about church or even the Bible. Uh, A lot of different beliefs. And so we had to really start with a very basic ministry. And that's where I knew or that's where I found that God's calling for our ministry was they're not joining the church that you think they are. They're looking for somewhere they can come and be comfortable. And a lot of times our churches don't make things comfortable for people. I grew up in a church where to join their church, they would put a chair at the front of the church. And if you wanted to join, you had to walk out of the aisles and walk all the way down the aisle to that chair. That's intimidating for somebody who's been in church, much less somebody who's never been there. And so we have a a very... Um, The motto of our ministry is Christ-centered, yet family-focused. And so what we're really trying to do is reach the entire family. Uh, Mother and sons come, 
my church is basically made up of football players. Um, every Sunday, I got Langston Hughes people, Westlake people, Creekside people, Sandy Creek people, uh, and they're back, battling back and forth about football. Of course, Sandy Creek's winning them all right now, but that's what our ministry is made up of. Basically, it's an athletic ministry. Um, so we were really, really honored that God chose us to start this ministry. And we were in Creekside, and we've been doing it for about three years, and it was time to move from Creekside. Our ministry grew, and right now we're probably around 75, 85 people, which is, uh, really has been a blessing for us. And it was time to find somewhere to go. And I began to pray and ask God, we need direction. We need a place that we can meet away from this school. When you work, I work at Creekside, so I'm down there Monday through Friday. I'm there after school coaching football and track. Then Saturdays, I'm having meetings on football and come back and have to be there on Sunday morning. I was sick of Creekside. And so God, um, I prayed and God began to show us some ways that we could move out. And there was a building and I don't know if you're familiar with Fairburn, but there's a church for sale right across from the Renaissance Festival. And it was called the uh, Christian Church. And um, we went and we uh, asked about that church and we went in, and it's a nice sanctuary, but it had no classrooms. And my ministry, like I said, on most Sundays, we have at least 15 to 18 boys from the age of 14 to 18. They need a classroom. I don't know if you've ever been around them, but they need a classroom. They need to be isolated somewhere. <laughs> and so that, that building, is, people were excited about it, but I knew that wasn't where God would want us to be right now. And so I would drive by. My mom and dad live almost right across from the Fairburn Baptist uh, Association building. And I would drive by and I would look and see that building every day. I was thinking, huh, I never see anybody here on Sunday. And I would just keep driving by. And then one day something spoke and said, just go in. And I walked in and I met uh, Susan, who was there. And she said, well, she said, nobody uses the church, but you're not Southern Baptist. You can't use it either. And I was like, okay, I understand that. It's for, you know, your organization. That's fine. And she said, well, tell me a little bit about your ministry. And I began to share with her. And she said, "Uh, hmm, she says, it's a shame that you can't use it. Nobody's using it. And she said, well, do you know anybody that maybe is in the Fairburn Baptist Association? I said, well, I said, I know Dr. Cope. We've worked with him at uh, Fairburn when he was a pastor at Fairburn uh, Baptist. Then I said, I know Pastor Jimmy Orr down in Palmetto. She said, you know Jimmy? I said, yeah, I know him. She said, call him. She said, call him. Give him a call and then see what happens. And so I walked out and I called him that day. And he said, Reggie, I'll make a call. We'll meet up here soon and we'll see if we can work something out. With all that being said, we are now members of the Fairburn Baptist Association, the Southern Baptist Convention, and we are enjoying it. So thank you very much. Um, we, we use the term Christian and I was not running away. I grew up in Mount Zion Baptist church, but we use the term Christian, um, when we were, I guess, forming our church, uh, simply because we were, we wanted to invite the community into our mission, into our ministry. Not that Baptists can't, not that Methodists can't, not that anything can't, but we use the term Christian, but every bit, and I came down and talked to Pastor Jimmy and he let me hear about your bylaws. Let me hear about what you believe about salvation. He said, man, you're a Baptist. 
And I said, yes, sir, I know that. I grew up Baptist. I mean, baptized and everything. I am a Baptist. And he said, well, you ought to consider the, um, the convention, the Southern Baptist Convention. And I bought it to the ministry, and everybody was excited about it. And um, so that's how we became a member of the Fairburn Baptist Association, as well as we were allowed to move into the, um, into the building that was Faith Baptist. Uh, we just had our fourth service there today, and we are truly enjoying having a place of worship away from Creekside High School. Um, again, I don't believe the building makes the church. The church is made up of our individual hearts, and we can have church anywhere, but it is so much nicer to have a place to worship away from a high school. So that's what I want to share with you about the ministry. I'm also down to preach a little bit, uh, so let me just uh, set you at ease. I have only been pastoring for three years. Okay, so at three years, I don't reserve the right to preach very long, all right? In my church, if I get long, I got two or three people, they pull an ear or somebody might yawn and stretch, and that's my uh, notice to say, okay, wrap that thing up, okay? So I don't rush God, but I don't preach very long. Um, I look to make a point that we can focus on, that we can walk away with, and that God can help to transform our lives more into a life that looks like Christ. With that being said, if you would open your Bibles to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. And the 15th chapter, very familiar story. All of us probably know it, have read it, have heard. Every message preached about it, but tonight you're going to get to hear one more. The parable of the prodigal son. If you go to the book of Luke, the 15th chapter, and I'm going to go down to take the text from uh, verse number 17. Luke chapter 15, and we're going to go down to verse 17. And my Bible says this, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. What point do I want to make from this topic or this uh, verse of scripture tonight? It's very simple. And actually, it's a challenge to each one of us. And it's the challenge that came to this young man as he sat at this place in his life. My challenge to you tonight is, to get home before dark. Get home before dark. Hmm, interesting topic, you might say. I grew up about 10 minutes from here up the road in Union City, Georgia. And back at that time, Union City was truly a community. Uh, we would leave every morning during the summers. I, when we were out of school, we would leave and leave our house. And my mother only had one rule for us. You can go and play. I don't care where you go, how far you go. You better be home by dark. And so at that time, it was safe. It was safe for kids to go out. It's not like that anymore, but it was safe for us to go. And we would go into Fairburn to Duncan Park, or we would sometimes we would even catch the bus and come to Palmetto. And we did all of this playing, and we could be in the middle of a baseball game having a great time, and you would happen to look up and see that sun is going down. Now, I don't know about you, but I had a mother that when she said be home by dark, that's exactly what she meant. 
And so in the middle of the picture, it'd be like, uh-oh, and you would drop that bat and you would start your way home. And we knew we would get there safely if we got there. And she has not reached out. And we had an older house and pulled the string to turn the porch light on. If I could beat the porch light, I was going to be okay. Beat the porch light and beat the one street light on the street, then you would be okay. How does that, how does, what does that matter? Or what does that mean in this story? I believe that God has ordained a place for all of us in our lives. The Bible says he tells Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I had already called you. And many of us are missing our calling in life because we're so busy doing our own things that there's this home place that's waiting for us. There's this place where we're going to be successful. There's this place that we're going to be prosperous that we have not yet gotten to in our lives. The Bible says that the young man, we know the story that he went to his father and asked for his the things that he thought belonged to him. And the loving father gave it to him. And it says he went out and wasted all that the father gave him. And it says as he set out and he was at a place at the lowest place he could have been. He was out in the field with the swine. It says the lowest place he could have been. The Bible says he came to himself. You see, the first point, the first rule that we have to know to get home before dark is we got to come to ourselves. You know, it's hard for us to, to evaluate our own selves sometimes. You ever look in the mirror and what you look at is not a very pretty sight? And so now when you walk by the mirror, you close your eyes or you hide because you don't want to see it. Listen, we have to be honest with where we are in our lives. Many of us are sitting and we're not in a very prosperous place. We're not in a very successful place because we have not yet decided that I will get up and I will go home. The Bible says that this young man came to his senses and he began to reason. He reasoned in himself. Sometimes I I go back and look at my life and I think, Lord, how did I get into this? I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've had times where, man, how did I get myself into this? But the great thing about our God is wherever we find ourselves, and if it's not the place that we need to be, the Bible says in 1 John that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. We don't have to stay defeated. We don't have to stay broken down. We don't have to stay uh, outcast. We have a God, as the Father, as the Bible says, who's waiting for us to come back home. There's a window of opportunity in our lives. And I share this with our ministry at all times. Listen, God has built a window of opportunity for you. Jesus makes this uh, statement. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says, if you hear me, let me in and I will come in and I will commune. I will fellowship with you and you with me. Anybody ever knocked on your door at your home? They know you're in there. I'm going to be honest. Jehovah Witnesses come. I do not answer my door. And I hope that's not offensive, but they knocking and they looking in the window and they see me sitting there watching the TV. And they just continue to knock. Guess what? Eventually they decide he just don't want me to come in and they'll move on. Listen, how many of us are doing God like that? He knows we're at home. The lights are on. I know you're in there. And God is knocking on our hearts. And we will not answer. That's a window of opportunity. And every day that I live my life, if I don't live it and it's successful, guess what? I've lost that day. And then one thing about our lives, there's no rewind button. I know sometimes I'll do things like, Lord, if I could just press rewind and do it again. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. God has given us 24 hours a day. 
That's all we have. And if we don't maximize that, if we don't get into that window of opportunity and make ourselves successful, we'll find that in the end that we have not lived a very prosperous life. We've got to find the place of success. And let me tell you something. One thing, and, and, and I heard this said before, this thing, this Bible is filled with a lot of promises. From Genesis to Revelations, there are a lot of promises. But let me tell you one promise you won't find. That's the promise of tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. The Bible tells us to seek ye first the kingdom. When does that seek mean? Seek means to look, and it means to look right now. This young man, as he was in this place of his life, the Bible says he came to him senses. And it says that he asked himself, how many fathers, how many uh, hired servants does my father have? And here I am dying of hunger. How many of us are sitting here starving of something in our lives? Whether it's love, whether it's attention, whether it's somebody to care for you. And you serve a father that has it running over in his house. I think sometimes I, when I was in first time, I went to Haiti on my missionary trip. And every pastor that I was, was connected to, they were preaching to these Haitians, oh, you go ahead and suffer right now. Life's going to be miserable right now. But listen, one day you're going to die and go to heaven and everything going to be all right. But I began to think, does God really want them to live like that here on this earth? It says that the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, and everything that dwell therein. Why should people go without? Jesus says, I come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. More abundantly means I got it all I can have and then it's still running out of me. I can't hold it all. So then if I find this place in my life, wherever I'm broken, wherever I'm hurt, and the church is full every Sunday of people who are broken, people who are hurting, people who need healing, people who need touching. It's nothing like coming into church and people, brother told me today, greet, greet your brother with a kiss. And he kissed me right on my jaw. <laughs> guess what? Every time I see him, I'm going to be looking for him to kiss me. <laughs> but guess what? That's healing to us. We never know when we break the bonds of, of all these things that surround us. And let me tell you something. The devil seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. So whatever it is that you possess, that's what he's trying to do. He's going to take your joy. He's going to take your peace. Jesus says it doesn't matter what this world looks like. He says, I will give you perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on me. I find myself sometimes worrying. And if you have children, it's hard not to worry about them. What are they going to do? What will happen if I'm not here? And I begin to worry about all these things. And finally, Jesus says, listen, he says, in the world is nothing but tribulation. But I like what he says. He says, but be of good cheer. He says, cheer up. He says, I have overcome the world. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and nothing happens that God didn't already know was going to happen. That's who we serve. We spend so much time trying to find the key man in life. I need to find the key man. I need to find the key man. I've learned to find the man with the keys. That's who I need. The key man is fine, but find the man who hold the keys. The young man found this. He found it in his father. And the Bible says that he says not only did he come to himself, but once we come to himself, listen what he says. I will get up. I will rise. 
It's hard for something to ride your back if you're standing straight. It's hard for somebody to ride my back if I'm standing straight. But if I bend over, if I allow myself to be down, it stacks on top, one thing on top of the other. I don't know if you ever had, we call it Murphy's Law. Everybody heard of Murphy's Law? Sometimes I experienced Murphy's Law in my life. But guess what? I learned that I got to stand up. Can't feel sorry for myself. I got to move on. I got to go because I know I have a father that's waiting for me to be home by dark. My mom, if we got home after dark, let me tell you what was waiting for us. We probably can't do this anymore because the laws have changed. But when I open that door and it's already dark and, 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 and she has been waiting on me, I already know, first of all, forget about supper because you ain't going to want to sit down and eat it anyway. <laughs> Secondly, she did it because she loved me. You see, when we chastise out of love, it's received out of love. I was always amazed. How could I spank my son? And I hope there ain't no police in here, but I, I spanked mine. I was wondering how I could spank my son, and two minutes later, he's in my lap. And then I thought about it. You were the same way. Your mom or your, your dad would chastise you, and you would be right in their laps, seeking now, I've disappointed you. How can I make it better? Why? Because it was done out of love. So if I got home after dark, my mama's going to teach me you're going to obey the rules. But guess what? She says, tomorrow you're going to go out again. Guess what? Be home before dark. The young man says, I'll arise and I'll go to my father. It's time for us to get up. Stop staying in this place of pity. Stop staying in this place of hunger, of defeat, of worry, of all of the depressions, of all these things. Don't stay there. Come to your senses and know that your father has the answer to all of it. It says that he came to his father. And then after we get up, it says that he confessed that he was wrong. Sometimes the hardest thing it is for us to do is to admit we are wrong. I've been wrong sometimes and my wife will walk through, walk by me five times. And I was like, I, I, I can't get it out. Just can't say I was wrong. Got to swallow this pride. He made a very bad judgment decision to walk away from his loving father. But I thank God today that he is a God that if we will confess and be serious about it, that he'll forgive us. And let me tell you what forgiveness does. Forgiveness restores us back to even a greater place than we were before we left. That's a wonderful place. God, I disappointed you, but I'm sorry. Come on back. And I'm not just going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back closer and stronger than you were before you left. It says that he confessed his sins. I love the Psalms where David says, have mercy on me, Lord, according to your loving kindness. So as we become cognizant of what we're doing, as we become uh, aware of where our lives are, the Bible says that to be restored back to him, to be restored back to him, it only requires repentance. And so as we examine our lives, the Father Bible says that he has to be made as a hired hand. But listen what happened. When his father saw him way far off, it says he was filled with compassion. There were some nights that I got home that it was after dark. And my mother could see or my daddy could see when I got through the door. I was sweating, boy, because I've been running trying to get here. And they'll look and they say, okay, you, you, you should have been here before that light came on. But I'm not going to punish you this time. 
Tomorrow, do better. Tomorrow, do better. Listen, as the man, the man got home, it says his father was filled with compassion. God knew it. The father knew it wasn't going to work out. Every time we walk away from God, he already knows it's not going to work out for us. It might feel good for a minute. It might seem fine for a minute. It's not going to work out. It says the father was filled with compassion. And he hugged his son and welcomed him back home. And I don't know about you, but I think about all the mistakes that I've made in my life. I asked my congregation this question. Suppose tomorrow morning you will receive a date to show up in court. And you're going to have to stand in front of a judge and give an account for every sin you've ever committed. For every law you've ever broken. Every time the speed limit said 35, you went 36, you got to come answer for it. Every time that it says don't walk, uh, don't jaywalk, and you cross the street anyway, you got to answer for it. Every time you had a bad thought, every time you did a bad deed, every time you said a bad word, you got to answer for it. I don't know about y'all, but I'd be in court a whole lot of hours. But listen, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he says, I've cleansed you. I have cleansed you. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, he says, I will make them as snow. As far as the east is from the west, he says, I'll remove your iniquities from you. That's the type of God that we serve. And no matter what happens in my life, the, the Bible teaches me that the day of a man is three score and ten. That's 70 years when I add it up. And it says, by the strength of the Lord, or by his power, fourscore, 80 years. Whatever happens in those years that I'm on this earth, listen, none of it is going to compare with what's going to happen in eternity. Why are we not willing to make the choice to get home? Sometimes we're so consumed with ourselves, and the three most dangerous words in our vocabulary are I me and my. And when we focus on those three words and not in the right term, listen what his I, me, and my was. I will arise and go to my father and he will make me as a hired servant. You see, he was thinking away from himself. We've got to learn to think away from ourselves. Get home before dark. Whatever God has called you to do with your life, and, and sometimes people wait for a minister to come and tell them, oh, you're a teacher or you're this. Only you should know that from God. You should know that from God. Whatever he has ordained you to do, wherever you have walked away from God's ordained steps in your life, you need to come to yourself. Come to your senses. One thing that God tells us, and, and, and I don't know, if in our school, we got this big thing about kids who saying somebody tried them. He tried me, and so they want to fight now. He tried me. Listen, God says, try him. He says, try me and see, won't I open up the windows of heaven? He says, and pour y'all blessings you can't even receive. Why do we run away from the very medicine that will help our lives? I, I challenge our ministry, our people all the time. When you see where you are and you're honest with where you are, that's where you can make a difference in your life. One thing about uh, some of the programs that I've seen in the world that, that people go through, the 
uh, somebody's trying to get rid of alcohol, the first thing they make them do is to what? Admit they're an alcoholic. Listen, if I am trying to get rid of sin in my life, admit you are a sinner. If I'm trying to get rid of slowfulness in my life, admit, Lord, that I am slowful. Admit where we are and then start on that journey home. And I promise you, I believe it was the, um, the Red Roof Inn says, we'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> Listen, God will leave the light on for you. He's not hiding from us. He's left the light on. It's up to us to get up. The father didn't go look for the son. He waited where he was because he knew that's where the son belonged. He didn't go out into that crazy world that son went out and said, I'm looking for my son. He says, I'm going to wait for him right here at home because this is where he belonged. And it says, when he saw him coming home, when he saw him coming home, he said, the father then threw a party. The Bible teaches that heaven rejoices over one who comes home. Over 99 who don't need to come. Listen, find your way home. I don't know where, where you are. I don't know what you're struggling with. But get up. Come to yourself. Arise and go to your father. And that's where we'll find our success. That's where we'll find our prosperity. Finding our way home. And there was a window of opportunity there. Go ahead and start. I knew if I waited to 7.30 and it got dark at 7.35, I wasn't going to make it. But if I knew at 7.35 it would be dark at 7 o'clock, I started my way home. I started my way home. Find that window of opportunity. Take very good advantage of it. There's no place like home. We've seen the Wizard of Oz and she clicked her heels. There's no place like home. She was out there in a crazy world, but she knew that there was a home waiting for us. The Bible says we're longing to be where home and our home is found in the safety inside the fence that our master has built around us. Start our way home. And when we get there, we'll be just like this son. I can now have a party and we all like parties. My dad's going to throw a party for us. Why? Because he's glad to see us back home. Thank you. God bless you.